My collaborator today is Eva Lamond, a dear friend of mine who I met when we took a British Sign Language class together. Eva is a trained dancer, but also an actor, massage therapist, and in her own personal way, an advocate for disability awareness. As two people living with invisible disabilities, we discuss the challenges and difficulties we faced and continue to work with in naming our identities and finding a sense of belonging. I draw a parallel between the experience of belonging to both the quilt bag, Q-I-L-T-2-B-A-G plus community, and the disabled community, and how vast each are. And Eva unpacks some of her experiences within this reflection. Eva also speaks about the importance of being seen and finding community and support that accommodates difference through her time with the Grey Eye Theatre Company. This is a deeply personal and intimate conversation between friends, which also speaks to the larger cultural context in which we are living. It highlights the ways ableism impacts our individual experiences and sense of identity, and some of the particular challenges faced by people living with invisible disabilities. First of all, thank you so much for collaborating with me on an episode of Everything is Workable. You're welcome. I was trying to remember, actually, uh, how long we've known each other. Um, I feel like we've known each other since, like, 2013. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. Because I, I graduated in 2012. Uh-huh. So, yeah, I think we have Cool. Right. And so... We met during a BSL class, British Sign Language, yeah. and you were basically the coolest person in the class. <laughs> what, 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 what can I say? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, other people in the class were pretty nice, but you were the most yeah. interesting. Oh, that's very sweet. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely the most interesting. So I always start off with this question about people's background and kind of what brought them to where they are and what they're doing in their life. And Part of what was so interesting about you when I met you is like how engaged and curious you were about the world from like your own experience, but then how other people were experiencing it too, right? And like you're wanting to learn British Sign Language as a way to support the disabled community in in a really meaningful way. So I guess my, my question is like, what was it or what were some of the experiences that you had or things that made you want to take British Sign Language that have put you into this path of what you're doing with performance and and theatre and then also the disability community? Yeah well it's obviously a big thing for me because well life story is that I um I had a cot death when I was six weeks old so like I died in my cot and I think a lot of my disabilities have come from that like I never really was diagnosed with a disability I had speech and language therapy so I couldn't really speak when I was younger and it was just there was a lot of struggle throughout life the BSL came really because I I'm partially deaf in my left ear because of I'm guessing because of the brain damage that I occurred from the from the cot death and I was just I kind of I watched like videos of BSL and I got really interested and I actually did an online course before I went to the, to like our first class together cool and I was like oh my god this is amazing and it kind of just brought me to do it and I, I mean I'm I'm a dancer um, I trained as a dancer and like the performance side of everything I've done I've absolutely loved and like in BSL I feel like you're performing as well but also it's like authentic. So it's just you just being you. So 
I like that as well. That's so true. I do love that about VSL. Like, well, sign language generally, right? How much of it is about your personality and the facial expressions and the way you use your body. 100%. Yeah. It's not like standing still and delivering lines. It's so like, it's so much more than that. You know, it's just, it's expressive. And that's what I love about it. Like, I'm always using my hands, whether I'm using it in the right way or the wrong way. That's debatable. But I'm always using my hands. And like, culturally as well, like BSL has its own culture. Mm -hmm. Going through and learning that in our classes was absolutely fascinating, because you never think that deaf has a culture. I, I generally think people just don't know that until you know, someone tells them or you go through it yourself, but they do. It's a, it's another language. It's a whole language in, its, in itself, which is absolutely fascinating. Yeah, I remember when we started learning about sentence structure and I was like, oh God, this is actually really, really complicated. And I mean, this is a bit of that cultural ableism and the way they were taught things, which we will get into. But before we do that, um, we're, we're going to talk, I mean, the topic of this is about invisible disability and belonging. So invisible disability, to start off with, if we can just like riff about the things that we are each working with. Uh, so my thing is that I'm hypermobile and I've always been hypermobile and I only officially learned that when I was about 25. And then I got a diagnosis actually about two years ago. And hypermobility is a super fun, weird thing that people know as double jointedness. But uh, it, yeah, it has a whole suite of lovely effects. <laughs> um, I, I can say that I'm double jointed because I'm double jointed my fingers, but I'm not hypermobile because there's so much more to it than just being double jointed. Yeah, yeah, there's like the extra stuff. Yeah. <laughs> that people just don't know about yeah so what about you what is your so like you were saying already that you don't have any kind of formal diagnosis but you're working with just certain physical limitations and things that have come up in your life as a result of your crib death as a baby yeah so for me it's so diff I find it so difficult because I feel I don't fit in the normal world and the disability world so like I'm not diagnosed with anything really I've just got like it's probably it's probably dyslexia which is kind of now known as a disability as well I mean it's a learning difficulty but I, I struggled you know with with life and I had help throughout school and all this sort of stuff but I've never been formally diagnosed I would say with anything so for me it's yeah, I just found it really hard to belong, I think, how sad it might sound. But hey, um, I come, you know, it's, it's humour for me, you know, that's what that's what helps me, humour and my personality. Yay! Um, <laughs> I think the only place, well, one of the only places I actually felt where I belonged was at Grey Eye, which is a deaf and disabled theatre company based in London. And I auditioned for something for them and they just took me on and from that I think I have learned so much in myself from other young disabled artists who are like me and yeah yeah I've just I've just learned so much that I think oh my god that's me that's me like the learning process of just just learning like I even talking you probably think what is she what is she talking about but I find it so hard to express myself 
Mm-hmm. And I think that that's one of the difficulties of not being able to speak when I was younger because I never had the words. Well, I still find it hard to get words out. And it's funny because I explain that to some people and because I'm so talkative, we're like, what? <laughs> like, I was like, I find, it hard to, I find it hard to speak sometimes. And I, they literally just laugh at me because I actually am very talkative, but I think it's in my own way. And I don't feel like I make sense half the time. I don't know. It's really hard to explain. But I, think, I think I get it, right? Because it's that sort of, it's, this is that invisible aspect of it, is that people don't, they don't see whatever it is that you're going through in your mental process to say mm-hmm. what you want to say. Yeah, absolutely. Because obviously, physically, I'm fine. You know, my outer, like, I'm not paralyzed. I mean, I could have been paralyzed um, on my right side. And I think I was for a little bit. But having the parents that I have, they got me playing the violin, dancing. So obviously it got me moving. I think maybe I would have been paralyzed if I didn't have the people, like the parents that I had, mm. to be honest with you. But I look normal from the inside, and um, from the outside, sorry, not the inside. I look normal <laughs> from the outside, but it, it probably is a bit of a mess in my mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think that's the, that's the thing, is this coming back to that ableism piece, is that we have this idea, so like the narrative that we get about deaf people is they're so, oh my God, they don't get to hear, like how, how sad, which I did a whole bunch of unlearning around that, where like, wait, if that's all you've ever known, that's just your life. And, and so yeah. it's not a problem. <laughs> yeah, it just it's their normal yeah and and so like what you say about what you look like and that is a big part about the way that disability is viewed from people who don't live with a disability is well what does it look like and I have to be able to see it and if I can't see it I don't think it counts uh -hmm. and then that's why then people like you and I who are living with invisible disabilities because it's our normal because this is what we've had our whole life and had to deal with our whole life (laughs) kind of render ourselves not belonging to a community. So it's interesting, you found belonging through theater and performance. Um, what was that experience like? Like, was there some like certain people that you really connected with or mentors or anything? Well, it's quite interesting because I trained as a dancer, but I never really fitted in at dance school mm-hmm. either. So like that was that three years of, you know, university or whatever was a struggle. And then, as I said, it wasn't only until being at the Grey Eye Theatre Company, that they saw something in me. They saw potential and I will never forget that. And I'll never forget their, I'll just never forget them just saying how great I am and that I can do it because they believe in me. And it is the tutors and it was, you know, it was the, the kids that I was, well, the young adults that I was working with that just pushed me to be able to do stuff that I never really thought I could do you know I always wanted to act but like when I was younger I did you know do I did do acting but I just never thought I was good enough because I couldn't really read and then learning lines and it Mm. it was all that process it was just so difficult for me so I gave it kind of gave it up and went into the dance world and then did the dance world and then was like no actually I would like to act so (laughs) it's like a full circle in some way I don't know but it was you know the experiences that I had wouldn't have put me back like come back for a full circle I think I don't know I don't I don't know if that's the right way of saying it but 
I am just I am just very grateful for the tutors and and the teachers that they brought in from the like drama schools and stuff that have just opened my eyes to the possibility of actually doing something that I actually love to do and one day I'm sure I will be doing it so mm-hmm. yeah I'm just thinking I just want to think positive because now the world is kind of opening their eyes to you know the possibility of uh, disabled people being represented on TV and in theatre and everything so that so the world is kind of changing but there's so much more that we can do and so much more that has to be done to make it equal but you know I think that's something that us as the Minelli or see I can't even say that word um us, millennials yeah that one okay. <laughs> um, yeah that. to be able to show people that we can do it and it's a it's for the youngsters to be inspired by us as well and say that we can do it is you say that you can't 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 you know everyone's like don't say can't because you can and it's true you can do it if you inspire yourself to do something then you can do it and those teachers really help me kind of see that and also having a space that's accommodating the differences of what people's different abilities are and Mm. I also going to just throw a little caveat in there that differently abled really drives me nuts when people are like, you're differently abled. I'm like, everyone's differently abled. <laughs> that doesn't mean anything. Who <laughs> one person is the same. I mean, come on. <laughs> exactly. Um, in your experience at, at Greya Theatre, was it, was it actually also being led by the disability community? Yeah, so we had people who are in the theatre business from who are disabled and who are non-disabled as well so we had a complex of both worlds as well so it was like and it was also for the drama schools to be accepting for us as well so it was like teaching them as well as them teaching us which was very good and I think that was very eye-opening for everybody yeah that's fantastic what was what was some of the stuff that they were doing around that because that is I feel like that mutual learning and also interesting listening to you talk about how you feel like there's two worlds and you don't quite belong in them and that you found belonging in a space that was bringing those two worlds together. Yeah, I mean, like it was, it's so, it's still so hard because it's still a long, there's still a long way to go. But the the eye opening for the drama, like, because we didn't perform in front of the drama schools or anything, but there was like the opportunity of having those teachers come in and working with us and then as I said us teaching them how we work Mm. and how hopefully there's a possibility of having a change in learning and developing and diversity and devising and all that sort of stuff which was really fascinating to to watch and do I do hope that people who are disabled can be who they want to be in the theatre business or theatre world or whatever or whatever kind of world they want to be and they can be like I want to have that job and I can go and do it but I do feel like there needs to be you know a more disability awareness training out there for just everyday life as well because it it needs to be said and it needs to be shown Mm -hmm. but I see it's such a 
it's such a small thing but a big thing at the same time isn't it like yeah you know we we have our opinions we have our thoughts we can try and get it out there but at the end of the day we're not politicians we're not you know we're just literally minor people that live in the world yeah you know have some sort of voice that would hopefully get out there and then there's the variation of what it is to be disabled and this is something I've been thinking about a lot lately specifically from the my queer experience and Mm. like if you if you belong to the queer community right we're in this community that has not just um, a difference of sexual preference to what is like the majority but also different gender identities and that the experience of being a transgender person is very different from the experience of being a lesbian or being a gay man and yet we're all part of the same community and then the same thing goes with disability uh so invisible disabilities are actually probably a majority of them i don't know what the numbers are but i do know that people with disabilities are the majority minority in the uk specifically did you know that no i didn't know that no not at all that is the the largest minority uh is the disabled community and it's something like three or five percent of the disabled community are wheelchair users so when you think okay. about the fact that the wheelchair symbol is like our universal symbol and then we have this idea you have to see it and it's usually always just restricted to like you have a limb that doesn't work that's that's disability <laughs> there's like so many people in the, the disabled community who are not being accounted for or accommodated do you see these kind of parallels between being queer and being disabled yeah yeah i guess so there's, there definitely is there's definitely similarities because like there's so many different people in the communities I mean I I classify as myself as a lesbian because I like women so I'm a woman and I like women but then is that society like oh I'm a woman I like women so I'm a lesbian great okay that's good um (laughs) but actually I could be I could make up a name and I can be whatever I want to be Mm -hmm. You know, and I feel like some people hide but hide behind things and hide behind stereotypes and things like that, which is which is sad. Like I, because I feel like I hide behind my disability as well, because I just don't personally don't know it. I feel like some other people probably hide behind their disability and their um, sexual preferences or whatever of you know being who they are. So in some ways, that's a parallel thing as well hiding your your interesting uniqueness in a way you know because I think I I I hide with humor and stuff like that like I'm no I'm a funny person I think maybe maybe not Um, (laughs) but um it is true it's just there's so I don't know what the word like oh I find it hard what's the word but this like it's not labels but there's so many like there's so many different like identities Identity, yeah, identities. Mm-hmm. Um, in both, in yeah, in both disability and the gay world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I and I think that that hiding things is an interesting one because, like I said, like I, I basically just came out as disabled. I wrote a blog about it, <laughs> and it and it was weird because it felt like a big deal, but not a big deal in a lot of the same ways that it felt when I came out as queer. It was like it felt like a big deal, but not a big deal because I was like, this is just who I am. But it has yeah, to be a big deal because the world assumes otherwise. 
yeah oh my god that is so 100% true like so I you know I saw something about um I saw something I think it must have been on Facebook or something about pride people are complaining about the parades and all that sort of stuff and and then the question like well you should be lucky that you don't have to protest being straight we have to do this because there's still so many things that we need to shine on and show that we need to be equal and that and I feel like disability needs to be shown and I think that's a that's a parallel thing about that as well yeah and there is there's this disability justice movement which I became aware of actually while I was living in the UK because of working at Shape Arts and it was a very eye-opening experience like first of all just understanding the starting to see wow like it's a disabled community is vast and then also seeing how at that time it was like early days of uh just to give listeners not in the UK context oh I can't remember the name of the terrible terrible company but there was like the revision to the benefits system in the UK had just been proposed and was starting to go through and disability justice people were like this is going to kill people uh and it has killed people and understanding that dominant narrative, right? Dominant narrative is that people are straight until they tell you otherwise. And dominant narrative is that disability looks a very particular way. And if you don't look that very particular way, people will police the crap out of you, which is exactly what was happening in the UK, right? There was a sense that you have to earn your disability benefits all the time, which for anybody who lives with a disability knows is like, oh, great, now I have the stress of losing all of my benefits that help me to survive when I already deal with fatigue, with chronic pain, <laughs> with mental illnesses, like, yay. <laughs> yeah, I, I have to say, like, I don't know what, what that's like. I don't know I don't know how that feels. For, you know, I'm. I don't suffer from like pain and stuff. I, I just suffer from what you say, like a normal aches and pains and stuff. As like growing up and being a dancer and stuff. And and I was just thinking, like, I don't suffer from fatigue, but actually, I do get tired quite easily. But I've never been diagnosed with fatigue, which is quite interesting. And I think my my brain overworks and I don't I never really think about that until I do get tired and I'm like okay I can't actually think anymore like I literally can't like there's I'm so tired that I just can't like I think there's just nothing there in my brain and it's really interesting like you know you talking about fatigue in the in the body and you know like your body gets tired but actually my brain gets physically tired I feel like I'm like realizing this now (laughs) just about it which is so fascinating for me but like it literally does like I struggle with like reading and focusing and you know focusing Mm -hmm. is such a strong thing for me and I think yeah like it's so it's so hard and I think I get I think I get fatigued from just even thinking and and straining and and no one no one can tell you that only you know that in yourself like no one else can see that Mm-hmm. you know it's not visible that's like that's inside of me that's like but and it's so hard to it will be so hard to explain that to someone and they'll be like yeah sure whatever like you know we all overthink you know that's that's just like 
life that's you know everyone has like thinking processes different and stuff but actually for me it's hard Mm -hmm. and it tires me out but people wouldn't understand that yeah people don't realize like or appreciate how much how many calories it takes for your brain to function and Mm. and then the difference in fatigue too like that's a big people like oh so what you're a little tired I'm like no it's not a little tired it's like sometimes I am so fatigued I can't do anything I can't think it doesn't work like it's hard for me to figure out how to do something really basic I'll be like uh I need a glass of water and I'll like forget what I was doing halfway to the kitchen and I'll just go back and lie down again (laughs) yeah that's that's just so that sounds so tough but like like me you're like me we have that comedy effect on on it all (laughs) We just we kind of just laugh through it, which is which is fine, but actually it's a serious thing, mm-hmm. and it's like knowing it's a serious thing as well, and actually teaching people that it's nothing really to joke about, but actually it is who we are, and let's just get on with it in some way. But I think in the, there needs to be a light shined on on fatigue because there's so many different varieties of being fatigued, like being tired. And fatigue is completely different. Completely different. Yeah. So it's, people just don't understand that as a thing either. Being tired is like, oh, I'm just so super exhausted. But be, being fatigued is like, I literally can't move out of my bed right now. And if it physically hurts me to move my legs. I mean, I don't, I personally, I haven't gone through like that, like you have at all. I don't know how that feels. But I think it's the same thing with your head, right? Like when you realize like your brain is just not able to think through anything anymore. You're like, I just, I have to give it a rest. (laughs) Yeah, there's probably, there's probably a similarity, but like, I guess we'll have our own ways, ways to unwind it, I suppose, Mm and refresh our, our bodies and minds and stuff. So like you said, like, it's just the way we are. So we just don't see it as a downer or whatever you know (laughs) yeah just get on with it yeah just get on with it and I think so that sort of comes back to that like you've been talking about humor a lot and I think that there is that kind of fine balance of understanding when you're using humor to help you with the getting on with it because you need to live your life versus the humor as kind of like a way of avoiding yeah 100% I feel like it is avoiding like stuff I think it's because one thing is because people just don't understand or people don't don't know I yeah don't know what it is that we go through I mean as I said it's only recently that I've kind of seen new things about myself and like actually I still kind of I'm on the verges of like am I disabled am I not disabled I'm still on that tight verge but as I said, being with Grey Eye, I feel like they accept me for who I am. Like I can't, I don't, I want, I don't really want to put my put a label on me. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever I am, I feel like I am just who I am. Like as my identity, like I'm ever, and that's it. You know, <laughs> like I don't get disability benefits. I don't get any of that sort of stuff, but because I can do. Like I can, you know, I'm I'm working and stuff like that. But okay, I struggle in life itself. Mm-hmm. I don't 
understand situations. I don't understand things. And I think that's one worry about growing up is, oh, it's, it, yeah, growing up, like you start to obviously learn what you can and can't do in yourself. And I think I'm worried about that mm. because I don't understand things. And it's finding someone or people that will help me because when my parents are gone, they're gone and then they usually help me with with different things so that's what I'm yeah because I that's what I'm worried about is because I don't understand stuff Mm. but people won't see that from the outside that's going on inside of me you know people walk down the street oh she she's probably she's all right she's you know (laughs) she's fine she looks good great good for her (laughs) anxiety inside of me like balling up like Mm. I feel like my anxiety levels will probably be stricken high like I just feel like it's it's kind of it's a big worry (laughs) yeah it's like finding it's finding that personal community like you got through gray eye but like within your social circle yeah no totally as well yeah I mean I'm I'm I know that I'm finding it it's just it you know it's always a worry at the back of your head Yeah, because you're doing the BSL and you've you've just been engaged generally with the disabled community through your theater work. What are some well, things that people have said to you when they've learned that you're learning BSL, that you you speak BSL, that you're just like, wow, that's just so ignorant. Um. Well, actually, yes. Okay, there you go. That's a good one. Um, <laughs> Um, the soul I've known for quite a while and, you know, I, I, I've been doing like, they know that I've been doing BSL and all this sort of stuff and they know that I was at Grey Eye and I was like saying publicly like how I feel disabled or whatever and I feel like I'm in the community and then they were like, you're not disabled, <laughs> like you're, you're not disabled and I was thinking like, do you even know me? That really, like yeah someone to say something like that like that actually hit me quite hard because I felt like that this person actually didn't know me and we were friends for quite a while like things happened and we hadn't been talking for a while or whatever it's just you know things happen and yeah they basically said that yeah said that I was I wasn't I wasn't disabled that was like a personal hit and effect on me mm-hmm. and I know forgotten about that and so I guess that sometimes that's why I kind of think like am I disabled am I not disabled I feel like probably a lot of people feel the same thing as I do there's probably a lot of people out there that just don't know where they fit and then there does need to be a light shined on it and hopefully you know it can get better yeah like don't tell people what is true about their experience right don't don't tell someone's truth like you don't know someone you don't know that person so don't tell that don't tell them what they are or who they are because you don't know them like I have a best friend right who's autistic and she's on the spectrum and throughout life I've seen people stare at her like I've grown up with her people stare at her and I see it you know I see all the looks and I'm just thinking like you just don't know and she's gone through so much and all this sort of stuff and actually walking down streets and stuff, you see people staring at people and and you're like, 
do you know what's going on with them? Like, just let them get on with them. Like, let them do them. Yeah, yeah. Like, it is a question of, like, what's wrong with you, not them? What's wrong with you? Yeah, totally. Wait. Totally. Right? I mean, I see. I think that's a that's a something that's a big thing. Mm-hmm. But as I said, I'm quite naive in that sort of way. Like, I just think everyone likes everyone. <laughs> Everything's great and la la la. I still, like, I, I think that is a better way to go through through life, though. That's what the bad thing about me is. I see the good in people. <laughs> oh, I don't think it's a bad thing. I think it is. <laughs> I would much rather assume that people are are basically good than that they're basically assholes <laughs> <laughs> it makes my life easier um it's also so I really appreciate like uh other disability justice people out there like Jessica Kelgren Fozard who has that fabulous YouTube channel I sent you the link to yeah 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 and yeah. she's got a really good thing in there because she gets asked all the time by people who are like am I disabled and she does this beautiful she's like I can't tell you if you're disabled or not that's not up to me you'll know if you're disabled or not or whatever you want to call yourself or however you want to name it because she's also really clear on that she's like if you want to call yourself differently able to go ahead that's your jam um (laughs) yeah she just says she like defines what disability is which is to either not be able to move through the world comfortably because of a lack of accommodation for your physical or mental capacities or to be physically or mentally incapacitated because of whatever your capacity is. And she's like, if this is like a common thing that happens in your life frequently enough, and this is the way it is, then yes, you're disabled. That's, that's it, basically. So it's like, right, yeah, I, sometimes I can't walk. Um, <laughs> sometimes I have a migraine so bad that I can't function. Sometimes you are so, your brain is so done that you can't think no I think migraines as well I think that's probably like overworking my brain yep as well yeah yeah um so then what are some things that you really have loved hearing and seeing about disability out in the world and in like representation like you said that there's there's starting to be more disabled representation in the media what are some things that you've been like yes finally yeah I just think like seeing theatre as well so seeing people with disabilities in a theatre piece we went to see I can't life remember what it was called but there was someone with a disability on the stage and it's like it's kind of it's actually really refreshing and it's like they're not being um you know everyone's being judged in the same way to be getting that part but actually they're not defined for their disability they're defined for their how the way that they act mm. and not disability, which is actually so refreshing to see. Your disability is not your barrier as such. Is that right? Like, yeah, you're getting marked on the way that you you act instead of your disability. Yeah. I think there's more of that going on now as well. And I feel like in, in theatre and in TV and stuff, if there is someone who is who who is scripted in as deaf why doesn't that why isn't there a deaf actor playing that part yeah why is it in person all this sort of stuff we're still trying to fight for that it is happening don't get me wrong 
And like, you know, if there's a wheelchair user in a script, then use someone who's in a wheelchair and not use someone that can walk and then can be placed into a wheelchair. Mm-hmm. That's just silly. Now it is happening more and more that that's, that's, that, yeah, so that I feel that's such a positive thing. And so it gives more opportunities for people who are disabled that can actually do stuff like other people can do stuff, you know, give them the opportunity to show that they have the talent. Like it's people not being defined as their disability, but defined as their person. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Is that... Yeah. And I think that's we as people need to judge people as being you know judged by their personality and not by their the way that they look or the way that they are I love my best friend who's autistic because we get along so well she's like the best person in my life and and she's disabled but I don't define her as this I just see her as my best friend yeah um so to finish off I always just like invite you to share anything that you want to share with listeners and I I always put it out as like think about someone who's maybe like a younger version of you and what kind of advice you might have liked to have heard or that would have been really helpful for you that is so cute probably have quite a lot to say I feel like this is like RuPaul Drag Race (laughs) (laughs) basically I would say get off your ass and Be the person that you want to be and don't let anybody tell you otherwise and don't let those snarky comments define the person that you desire to be because you will be that person no matter what they say and actually in some ways that will help you grow to be you. So don't go crying in your bedroom or whatever that you do listen to sad music or watch a sad film (laughs) do that anyway because you love it but (laughs) be you as soon as you possibly can because people will love you for you and you will see those people and they will be the people in your life forever just try and be you as quickly as you possibly can because people will love you oh that's so great I love you (laughs) yeah To learn more about the Grey Eye Theatre Company, visit greyeye.org. That's G R A E A E.org. Jessica Kelgren Fuzzard is one of my favorite YouTubers who makes amazing videos not just about disability but also about historical gay figures and vintage dress. You can find out more at jessicaoutofthecloset.co.uk. I'm incredibly grateful to my many patrons, without whom I could not make my practice the focus of my time and attention. Immense appreciation to Gretchen Wagner, Julian and Shannon Hatch, Winita Budgen, Margaret Prescott, Val Delane, Perry Pugh, Annika, Jennifer Harkness, Katie Bredbeck, Laura Mulkern, Michelle Puckett, Sierra Love, and Chrissy Bird. Patrons help me to cover the cost of producing this podcast, but also make it possible for me to do outreach for my chaplaincy, buy art supplies, and have focus time for writing. Visit CaitlinSCHatch.com to see the breadth of my work in the world. The original theme song for this podcast was created by award-winning singer-songwriter Tajai Moore of Moore Music. 